Welcome to Ecology Matters, a podcast from the Ecological Society of Australia, featuring ecologists from all over the country. The, the biodiversity in this part of the world is just incredible. It's, it's not just ice and snow, it's teeming with life on the coast. I see that and I say, okay, well, that's a great opportunity to study, to study it more. Yeah, looking at those sites gives you a sense of joy and, and hope. Love being arranged. It's incredible. It's just yeah, it's a it's a really awesome program, and it's just so healing, like for our whole community. It's the beauty of ecology is that it's so interconnected. Yeah, it's been really exciting actually. Every winter, spider crabs gather in huge underwater piles along Australia's southern coastline. The spectacular gatherings attract considerable attention, but scientists know very little about the species. How many spider crabs are there? Where do they go after they disperse? What signals to the crabs that it's time to come together? Listen as Dr Elodie Compras from Deakin University discusses these mysterious creatures. On your Instagram page, you describe yourself as a thalassophile. What is a thalassophile? That's um, someone who loves the ocean. Um, so I started diving when I was a kid and immediately I fell in love with the ocean. And actually after that very first dive that I did, um, I told my dad that I wanted to become a marine biologist and I was quite set on that already. What is it about the ocean and the marine environment that is so enticing to you? I think for one, it's really calming and, and I like the feeling of, you know, being in a totally different environment where you can't use words and so you you focus on a lot of other things. And then, yeah, just all the creatures that I could see. I remember I was losing my marbles the first time I saw a sea slug because it's just, I just thought it was so beautiful. Like I, I was wondering how it could even exist at all. Um, so, yeah, I, I started wanting to know about, you know, all the little creatures I would see, um, whether it be, you know, a fish or a sea slug or a crab or different different creatures. You've worked and studied across a number of marine environments in Madagascar, the northeastern United States and the French subantarctic territories. Do you have any highlights or favourite experiences from your time in these places? Uh, all these experiences, you know, were so different and I was working on different species, had different goals. I think for scuba diving, my best experience would have had to be in the Galapagos Islands in Ecuador. Um, that was where I saw, you know, the most the most diversity I think and a number of huge animals like whale sharks and schooling Hammerhead sharks, and um, so yeah, it was, it was very beautiful to see a range of different creatures in this thriving environment. Um, but for work, it's hard. I've I've worked in a range of sort of terrestrial and and marine systems, and I guess for me, what's most exciting is probably going to be seeing things that most people don't necessarily get to see. Um, doesn't really matter what they are, just feel like it's so special. 
But if we're going to focus on one of your absolute passions, since you completed your PhD, you've devoted a considerable amount of time to developing the, the Spider Crab Watch program. Can you explain what the program is and why spider crabs are so interesting to you? Spider crabs come in very big numbers in Port Phillip Bay and other parts of the Great Southern Reef. They can gather in big groups pretty much all time at all time of year. Um, but what's really special is during winter when they come together to shed their shells. That's a process called molting. Because they are arthropods, they've got hard shells that they need to get rid of in order to grow bigger. And um, while they do that, they're soft, and so they tend to be vulnerable to predators. So we think that the reasons they come together in such big numbers is because they're seeking protection from each other, um, and that way they get protected from predators like big smooth rays, looking for, for an easy meal for a soft shell crab. Um, and so the reason why it got so special to me is because, so as a diver, I had heard about this phenomenon for a few years and I was really keen to go and see the crabs in winter. And then the day I finally saw them, you know, I was in awe um, and I, I was just mind blown. And then the next day I went back to my desk and I put my scientist cap on and I started looking at what we knew about these creatures because I had so many questions. And, you know, this, this is a phenomenon that's being portrayed on BBC Blue Planet 2, Magical Land of Oz. So it's being portrayed in the media nationally and internationally. And yet we know near nothing about these creatures. And I guess, the mystery um, just, yeah, attracted me to, you know, finding out more about these creatures. And why is the focus on recruiting citizen scientists? Yeah, so um, there's two reasons. One reason is um, there's a lack of, of funding and resources for traditional science. We have to be a bit creative and, you know, rely on, on other um yeah, on other people. And, um, you know, so spider crabs, when a big group is sort of settled, it might stay in one place for, you know, a few weeks. But before they settle, they can sort of be on the march and, and be found in all sorts of places. And so having as many people as possible on the lookout to tell us, you know, where they're seeing spider crabs and, and what they're seeing, um, it's just a great asset. Yeah, it, it's just there's so, mis so much mystery around them and so many things, so many questions that we have that every photo that a, a citizen scientist might submit might give us, you know, new information and information we might not even um, have been looking for really. Um, so... By having, by having people like you know, divers and snorkelers logging their sightings and submitting photos when they have them, um, we can find out a lot more than with the limited time we have as scientists to spend in the marine environment when, you know, an aggregation or get-together has been detected. 
And all that data that is being collected, what what do you use that data for? With spider crabs, really, we're starting we're starting from scratch. We have near no information, so we we're kind of building information about their biology, about their ecology. But essentially, you know, we're trying to find out, for example, what what triggers this get-togethers um, in winter, for example, when they're molting. So, you know, there's been some um, hypothesis about um, the water temperature. So the water has to drop below a certain temperature and then the, the, the crabs will start molting. Um, some people think, oh, this is due to um, the full moon. But then again, some people will say, you know, when, when the, moon is, the moon is full, the crabs will start aggregating, so start coming together. But other people say, you know, the full moon actually starts then molting. Um, we really don't know. So we're collecting even very basic information, but that, you know, helps us understand what, what they're doing. And then we also want to understand their movement. So um, at the moment, the spider crabs that we see in Port Phillip Bay, we have no idea where they're coming from and where they're going to after they get together in winter. So they could be living in the bay the whole year round, or they could be, you know, living the bay, exiting the bay, and they could be coming back, um, you know, on an annual basis. And we really don't know why. That would that would imply that there's something quite special about Port Phillip Bay, but we just don't know what it is. So I lead the citizen science part of this program, but I'm working with other colleagues at Deakin, um, like Daniel Eo or Jackanoo, to do traditional science as well. So we've been doing some tagging, for example, and um, that's allowed us to see what the crabs are doing after they get together in winter. So at the moment, they have been detected in the bay up until February. So we're not, we're not quite sure whether they're actually leaving the bay. I think there have been some um, issues with equipment as well that um, makes, makes it hard to give an answer um, to that question, but we're hoping to repeat that, that tagging in this survey in the future to find out more. Why do you think spider crabs are so unstudied, so, you know, not very well understood? I think this is part of a broader problem that as long as something is under the surface, it just goes unnoticed. And um, unfortunately, you know, this applies to a lot of aquatic ecosystems, not not just marine, um, but certainly during the past couple of years as I've been doing this research, I've just been really saddened to realise how little we know about marine creatures in general. You know, I do community presentations and people have all sorts of questions, not just about spider crabs, but about a lot of different marine species, you know. How does this species reproduce or what do these species eat or how long does this species live? And we just don't know. I just don't have this answer, you know. I do a lot of research and and try to 
answer questions of, of people in the community that are curious, but it's just, yeah, this information is not there. And I wonder, maybe part of it, as I said, is out of sight, out of mind, um, where people are perhaps less interested in marine life and perhaps aren't pushing us as much to get the knowledge on these species. But also it has to be acknowledged that studying anything in the marine environment has a lot of constraints. Um, it's very costly. There's a lot of, you know, OHNS implications. Um, and so, you know, even if the willingness was there to study these creatures, um, it is costly and complicated. I had been trying to get funding for quite a number of years, you know, related to the problem that it's, it's hard to get money to study marine species. So, yeah, very grateful to have gotten funding from the Department of Energy, Environment and Climate Action to start this program and to finally, you know, start getting some, some answers as to, um, you know, what spider crabs get, get up to. One of your other ambitions is to increase awareness and appreciation of the Great Southern Reef. Why Why is this? Why is the Great Southern Reef so important? So the Great Southern Reef, which is pretty much, you know, the whole southern part of Australia, from New South Wales all the way to Western Australia, is a very special place. This part is, the, the biodiversity in this part of the world is just incredible. Um, and there are estimates of around 80% of this biodiversity that exists nowhere else in the world. Um, and that means, of course, that if, if we lose it, it's gone forever. It's, it's, it's nowhere else in the world. But, you know, a lot of people just don't realise what we have in our blue backyard in the south and shores of Australia and how precious that is. Ecology Matters is a podcast by the Ecological Society of Australia, a not-for-profit organisation supporting ecologists and ecological science in Australia. We acknowledge the traditional owners and custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to their elders, past, present and emerging. To learn more about our work, follow us on social media, visit our website or sign up to our newsletter. You can find links to these in the show notes. The theme music is Glow by Scott Buckley. Lastly, thank you to all the ecologists who have taken part in this series and shared their perspectives on why ecology matters.